welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey y'all, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your sisters and brothers in spirit. And no matter the negative circumstances and appearances in the world, let us all find positive ways to stay uplifted and encouraged, because the forces of darkness thrive on the fear and hopelessness within our emotions. And when we are fearful, hopeless, or feeling negatively for any reason, then we draw more of what we don't want to ourselves through our thoughts and energy. Therefore, No matter how relentless the hate and destruction in this world, no matter our battles, let us all strive to remain strengthened in our hearts, minds, spirits, and feelings, clothed with the love and light of our mighty I Am Presence as our armor. Because our mighty I Am Presence is the spirit of the living God that dwells within us, our invincible power, and those invincible powers of love and light are mighty weapons. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. The realization of perfect peace. This is the spirit of infinite peace and the moment we come into harmony with it there comes to us an inflowing tide of peace, for peace is harmony. A deep interior meaning underlies the great truth, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To recognize the fact that we are spirit, and to live in this thought, is to be spiritually minded, and so to be in harmony and peace. Oh, the thousands of men and women all about us weary with care, troubled and ill at ease, running hither and thither to find peace, weary in body, soul, and mind, going to other countries, traveling the world over, coming back, and still not finding it. Of course they have not found it and they never will find it in this way, because they are looking for it where it is not. They are looking for it without when they should look within. Peace is to be found only within, and unless one find it there he will never find it at all. Peace lies not in the external world. It lies within one's own soul. We may travel over many different avenues in pursuit of it, we may seek it through the channels of the bodily appetites and passions, we may seek it through all the channels of the external, we may chase for it hither and thither, but it will always be just beyond our grasp, because we are searching for it where it is not. In the degree, however, that we order the bodily appetites and passions in accordance with the promptings of the soul within, will the higher forms of happiness and peace enter our lives. But in the degree that we fail in doing this will disease, suffering, and discontent enter in. To be at one with God is to be at peace. The child's simplicity is the greatest agency in bringing this full and complete realization, the child's simplicity that recognizes its true relations with the father's life. There are people I know who have come into such a conscious realization of their oneness with this infinite life, this spirit of infinite peace, that their lives are fairly bubbling over with joy. I have particularly in mind at this moment a comparatively young man who was an invalid for several years, his health completely broken with nervous exhaustion, 
who thought there was nothing in life worth living for, to whom everything and everybody presented a gloomy aspect, and he in turn presented a gloomy aspect to all with whom he came in contact. Not long ago he came into such a vital realization of his oneness with this infinite power, he opened himself so completely to its divine inflow, that today he is in perfect health, and frequently as I meet him now, he cannot resist the impulse to cry out, oh, it is a joy to be alive. He who comes into this higher realization never has any fear, for he is always with him a sense of protection, and the very realization of this makes his protection complete. Of him it is true, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, there shall no ill come nigh thy dwelling, thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with thee. These are the men and the women who seem to live charmed lives. The moment we fear anything, we open the door for the entrance of the actualization of the very thing we fear. An animal will never harm a person who is absolutely fearless in regard to it. The instant he fears he opens himself to danger, and some animals, the dog for example, can instantly detect the element of fear, and this gives them the courage to do harm. In the degree that we come into a full realization of our oneness with this infinite power do we become calm and quiet, undisturbed by the little occurrences that before so vex and annoy us. We are no longer disappointed in people, for we always read them aright. We have the power of penetrating into their very souls and seeing the underlying motives that are at work there. As soon as we are able to read people aright we will then cease to be disappointed in them, we will cease to place them on pedestals, for this can never be done without some attendant disappointment. The fall will necessarily come, sooner or later, and moreover, we are thus many times unfair to our friends. When we come into harmony with this spirit of peace, evil reports and apparent bad treatment, either at the hands of friends or of enemies, will no longer disturb us. When we are conscious of the fact that in our life and our work, we are true to that eternal principle of right, of truth, of justice that runs through all the universe, that unites and governs all, that always eventually prevails, then nothing of this kind can come nigh us, and come what may we will always be tranquil and undisturbed. The things that cause sorrow and pain and bereavement will not be able to take the hold of us they now take, for true wisdom will enable us to see the proper place and know the right relations of all things. In Tune with the Infinite, by Ralph Waldo Trine, 1910. Isis Unveil, Chapter 15 Those who are ready to accuse the Chinese of irreligion will do well to read Schott's essays on Buddhism in China and Upper Asia. In the years Yuan Yu of the Sun, AD 1086-1093, a pious matron with her two servants lived entirely to the land of enlightenment. One of the maids said one day to her companion, Tonight I shall pass over to the realm of Amida Buddha. The same night a balsamic odor filled the house, and the maid died without any preceding illness. On the following day the surviving maid said to her lady, Yesterday my deceased companion appeared to me in a dream and said, Thanks to the persevering supplications of our dear mistress, I am become an inhabitant of paradise, and my blessedness is past all expression in words. The matron replied, If she will appear to me also, then will I believe all you say. The next night the deceased really appeared to her. The lady asked, May I, for once, visit the land of enlightenment? Yea, answered the blessed soul, Thou hast but to follow thine handmaiden. The lady followed her, in her dream, and soon perceived a lake of immeasurable expanse, overspread with innumerable red and white lotus flowers, 
of various sizes, some blooming, some fading. She asked what those flowers might signify? The maiden replied, these are all human beings on the earth whose thoughts are turned to the land of enlightenment. The very first longing after the paradise of Amida produces a flower in the celestial lake, and this becomes daily, larger and more glorious as the self-improvement of the person whom it represents advances, in the contrary case, it loses in glory and fades away. The matron desired to know the name of an enlightened one who reposed on one of the flowers, clad in a waving and wondrously glistening raiment. Her whilom maiden answered, that is Yang Kai. Then asked she the name of another and was answered, that is Mahu. The lady then said, at what place shall I hereafter come into existence? Then the blessed soul led her a space further and showed her a hill that gleamed with gold and azure. Here, said she, is your future abode. You will belong to the first order of the blessed. When the matron awoke, she sent to inquire for Yang Kai and Mahu. The first was already departed, the other still alive and well. And thus the lady learned that the soul of one who advances in holiness and never turns back, may be already a dweller in the land of enlightenment, even though the body still sojourn in this transitory world. H.P. Blavatsky In the same essay, another Chinese story is translated, and to the same effect. I knew a man, says the author, who during his life had killed many living beings, and was at last struck with an apoplexy. The sorrows in store for his sin-laden soul pained me to the heart, I visited him and exhorted him to call on the Amida, but he obstinately refused. His illness clouded his understanding, in consequence of his misdeeds, he had become hardened. What was before such a man when once his eyes were closed? In this life the night followeth the day, and the winter followeth the summer, that, all men are aware of. But that life, is followed by death, no man will consider. Oh, what blindness and obduracy is this! Page 93. These two instances of Chinese literature hardly strengthen the usual charge of irreligion and total materialism brought against the nation. The first little mystical story is full of spiritual charm, and would grace any Christian religious book. The second is as worthy of praise, and we have but to replace Amida with Jesus, to have a highly orthodox tale, as regards religious sentiments and code of philosophical morality. The following instance is still more striking, and we quote it for the benefit of Christian revivalists. Huang Ta Tai, a Tankin, who lived under the sun, followed the craft of a blacksmith. Whenever he was at work he used to call, without intermission, on the name of Amida Buddha. One day he handed to his neighbors the following verses of his own composition to be spread about. Ding dong! The hammer strokes fall long and fast, until the iron turns to steel at last. Now shall the long, long day of rest begin, the land of bliss eternal calls me in. Thereupon he died. But his verses spread all over Honan, and many learned to call upon Buddha. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 The loved ones of the light, I trust I may adopt you and call you my legions of peace. That's quite an honor you know, and if you can live up to it, it will be the most wonderful experience for you. I shall show you now, what that means in the outer world, because I'm going to ask you that wherever there seems to be turmoil or mistakes or problems, demand a flame of my victorious peace to come forth where the discord seems to be, and be established there for eternity. 
Now if you will call these flames into outer physical action, I mean into the physical octave, to act in physical conditions under your authority, and ask them to be made eternal, there are certain of the legions of the sacred fire who are ready at hand and are awaiting the opportunity, to bring as much of this activity of the sacred fire, into the lower physical octave as soon as possible. This is a stabilizing, powerful action, and much of it comes under the guardianship of the seraphim. I want you to feel deeply tonight your intense love to the seraphim of peace, for they are the guardians of these flames which we are hoping through your calls to, as you might say, plant permanently into the physical octave wherever you call them forth. Unless something of this sort is done, precious ones, where we can draw a very great power of the sacred fire into the outer physical octave, unless there is an intensity of that flame drawn into the physical world, the constant surging of discord is such a continual disturbance, that wherever individuals do maintain a certain amount of harmony, it is not left undisturbed long enough to let it become a permanent action in the locality where you desire it to be. And it is to bring a greater guard around all of you, that we are offering this tonight. Beloved Elohim of Peace The legions of the seraphim who guard these very intense activities of the sacred fire are awaiting every channel of service that it is possible to give at this time. But since mankind know so little about them, and most people doubt of their very existence, they do not have very much opportunity to draw into the physical octave, these greater activities of the sacred fire that otherwise could come and be a greater consuming power to discordant conditions. But if you will accept them as real, you will find their blessing is real. If you demand these flames, be made eternal where you call them forth, when the intensity of that power reaches a certain point, they will be permanently established. The great cosmic law is using every conceivable opportunity to draw into the physical world as much as possible these more magnificent powers from the great realms of the sacred fire, in order to help those who seek the constructive way of life to be strong enough and to stand against that which seeks to engulf them. But since I am peace to the earth and it is my, not only prerogative, but my responsibility at a certain point, to establish this flame throughout a certain proportion of the earth, in order to make peace permanent to the world, therefore, I shall appreciate greatly every call you make to have, now mark my words, the immortal flame of my victorious peace take the place of everything that comes to your attention that is disturbing. Wherever you can stop long enough to make the call silently and demand this flame come forth, we shall see that it does come forth. But the demand must be made in the physical octave, and then the flame does the rest. And since those of you who have made some calls to the great cosmic Christ legions of the guarding seraphim, it is in answer to that call that we hope to accomplish much through this acknowledgement and this decree. Beloved Elohim of Peace